my wife got a sign that sits in the cantina right where everybody signs in and it says uh, we don't have wi-fi talk to each other we've got a pretty good catalog of adventure bike type rides to you know um intermediate um you know 650 type bikes and then we've got a lot of really fun hardcore two-stroke stuff if if that's your flavor as well yeah and so any mile to wild we've we've got a lot of tracks coming to you from the heart of america this is the adventure motorcycle usa podcast on each episode, we'll talk with industry insiders, experienced adventure riders, ADV creators, and moto fabricators. With a passion for adventure and a penchant for two-wheel travel, we explore the stories of those behind the adventure motorcycle world. Hey guys, Matt here with Adventure Motorcycle USA. Before we jump into this episode, I just want to share a few updates about the podcast. First, we're extremely appreciative of all the downloads from past episodes. What started out as a pandemic project for us seems to have resonated with more than a few of you in the Adventure Motorcycle community, and we are grateful for the support and resolved to put out more regular segments in 2022. Please help us out by giving us that five-star rating and by subscribing so that you're notified when new episodes hit. Second, we're pleased to officially have Bulletproof Designs on as a sponsor of the podcast. Bulletproof is an industry-leading manufacturer of billet aluminum off-road protection guards and accessories. From their world-class radiator guards to their new ADV rear disc guards, Bulletproof hard parts are purpose-built to protect your motorcycle. Lightweight, simple to install, and made in the USA, all of Bulletproof guards come with a lifetime warranty. Check them out at BulletproofDesigns.com. Now about this episode, nestled in the Lisbon Valley of Southeast Utah, the three-step hideaway is a dual sport and adventure rider's dream. Located directly on the Trans-America Trail and just 14 miles from the Utah Backcountry Discovery Route, this off-the-grid, rustic frontier lodge is a phenomenal stopover or base camp for every adventure rider. Playing host to two three-day annual rides and offering hundreds of miles of trails through the BLM land right from the front door, owners Scott and Julie Stevenson will make you feel like family. They've owned the three-step hideaway since 2013, and in this episode, Scott tells us how he went from masonry contractor to owner of one of the most unique off-road B&Bs in the country. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another edition of the Adventure Motorcycle USA podcast. I'm your host, Matt McFadden, joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Terry Terrell Terrell. Hey, we got a fun episode for you tonight. Uh, we have Scott Stevenson on from the Three Step Hideaway. Scott, welcome to the Adventure Motorcycle USA podcast. Oh, thank you much, Matt. Sure appreciate you getting me on tonight. You have come up in two of our podcasts. Uh, we had uh, Mark Sampson on from Big Dog Adventures, and and he mentioned that that he's a good riding buddy of you of yours. And he said, gosh, if you haven't talked to Scott, you need to. And, and more importantly, if you haven't been to the three-step hideaway, you need to get there. And then we had Matthew Sturdivant and, and Gabriella Kiss on as well. And they rode the TAT and stopped off and had a, a wonderful time. And I can't wait to learn all about the three-step hideaway and, and more importantly, all about you. Great, great. Well, it, it was it's great having uh, having Matt and Gabrielle and, and, of course, Mark's a great good buddy of mine. 
So let's let's get into. I want to understand a little bit about about you uh, and your background. Um, did you grow up in Arizona? Um, yes, pretty much. Um, moved there when I was ten. My I was an Air Force brat. My dad retired when I was ten, and uh, we moved to Tucson, where both sets of grandparents were. I went to high school there, and before that, I I was in um, Tacoma, Washington. We moved to the desert, and it's like, oh man, it's it's all everything's dead down here. There's no green trees, you know. So yeah. I decided I was gonna move back to the Northwest when I was out of high school, and but uh, I I did. I wound up moving to uh, Lewiston, Idaho. Yeah. Right out, right after high school, and uh, I met my wife, and we got married. Move up, moved up there. And yeah, I read somewhere that you got married in 1980 to your wife Julie, and based right. on the pictures, she must have been in first or second grade because <laughs> my gosh, she she, <laughs> she does not look like she could. I'm doing the math there, and it just wasn't adding up, Scott. I was um, 18, I believe. <laughs> I probably got that wrong, but. Uh, yeah, she, she graduated uh, the end of her junior year in, in summer school, and we got married the day after she graduated. That's awesome. At her uh, uh, ten year reunion, she got the booby prize for being uh, married the longest. We'd been married for eleven years at that point. At her at her ten year reunion. <laughs> okay, so Scott, you you were in in Lewiston, Idaho, and and what were you doing up there? I mean, out of high school, moved to the the Northwest, and what were you doing for work? I was doing hod carrying, basically masonry, and um, yeah, learned learned that, and then uh, went on a couple of years later to start bricklaying and and got my got my journeyman's card and all that. When did you, when did you first start riding motorcycles? Probably junior high school. Um, my folks were dead set against no motorcycles. My dad had he had bought one right out of high school, and he had a, a forty eight. BSA. My folks rode rode that all over. In fact, that was their only mode of transportation until my brother came along in 1953. But um, they deemed it pretty dangerous. And but I did talk them into a mini bike. You know, one of those Briggs and Stratton five horse type thing with a, sure. with a you know, Sears and <laughs> right Robo. There, right? It was a not a kickstart, but a pull start, right? A pull start, yeah, yeah. And the air cleaner was terrible. And this is Tucson, Arizona, as dry as it was. And I was I was rebuilding the thing, putting new rings and and valve valve guides in it about about every month or two. But um, it was a lot of fun and uh, kind of got the bug. But they were still pretty adamant, no motorcycles. So when I moved out, we moved to Idaho. I bought a little trail machine. We had a little. Uh, 71 model DT100, little old Yamaha with okay. um, oil tank, two stroke. And and Julie, my wife and I, we, we used to ride that all over the place. We'd throw a rifle on her shoulder and take off and go deer elk hunting on it and run all over the place, cattle trails, game trails up in Idaho and just yeah. had a blast on it. You know, after that, um, we wound up moving back to Tucson. They sold the little trail bike and life got kind of busy. We wound up having kids in 85 and 86. So, you know, life kind of got in the way and just stayed real busy. Wound up uh, in 86, went into the masonry business. Um, just Owned your own company, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and what were you doing? I mean, were you doing houses? Was it commercial, residential? 
Uh, both. Um, yeah. Did houses, commercial, commercial uh, light commercial stuff. Um, and that, that was good work. Put your kids through college, right? Right. Until until the downturn. Right. Right. So, yeah, we're, we were talking, uh, Terry, in the pre-interview about, you know, 2007 and the, the impact that 07 leading into 08 and gosh, going into 09 and, and 2010 and what what an effect that had on so many people. Um, and, and Scott and I were kind of sharing our stories. But but Scott, it, it I mean, business really dropped off for you guys in the in the construction trades. It did. Our business dropped ninety percent the first year. So I, you know, we we pooled our resources. I had a couple of buddies in the masonry trade there in Tucson as well, and and we just tried to keep a core group of guys. I had a couple of friends. We used to joke about the what the price of the job was going to go for was take the uh, material cost and subtract ten percent, and that's pretty darn close to what it would <laughs> be. And right, <laughs> yeah, it becomes unsustainable at some point, right? Right, exactly. And and you were in a in a good place financially, which you know uh, is, I'm sure a, a big stress relief as you guys were looking to kind of wind down your business. But what kind of drove you into man? You know, I really enjoyed being on the back of a motorcycle, and maybe I should start picking this up again. I mean, we had we had our house paid for. We were totally out of debt, and um, I just gotten our last daughter through college. It's so, a good feeling, right? It really was. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was, it was really a lifesaver for us. And, and that's about the time I met Mark Samp- Sampson. We, uh, I thought, shoot, going for a motorcycle ride and camping is pretty darn cheap. And you got to eat wherever you are. So got to doing a lot of reading the motorcycle magazines. And dual sporting was just kind of getting somewhat popular. I found Mark Sampson's website. As a lot of guys have said, you know, that's kind of, man, that's <laughs> right. You're kind of sinking in deep when you find Mark's website. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And, uh, you know, it just really planted the bug. I'm looking at all these strips where he'd been and, and, uh, just kind of got my mind a wheeling. And I thought, man, to be able to ride a dirt bike up in Alaska or, um, you know, to Prudhoe Bay or something or in, down in Baja would just be amazing. So I thought, well, shoot, let's jump in. So I I bought a uh, an XR six fifty L, not the to, R, the L. Right, the L. I, yeah. I really wanted that start button. <laughs> so so then, pretty much the same time, um, I had a friend, a good friend that um, he had a ninety one model DR three fifty. So I thought, well, shoot, I I need I need an extra bike so you know my buddies can go for a ride too if they'd like to and. Um, have it as a loaner bike. So I wound up getting that and uh, we had all kinds of mayhem that first year or so. A lot of a lot of good friends. Are, <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, shoot, I haven't ridden in years, but let's go. We had a lot of fun, uh, a lot of crashes, you know, just. Uh, Did you have an agreement yeah, with them that they them. had to repair that bike if they uh, <laughs> tore it up? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it, you know, it it never is for all the crashing it did. I don't <laughs> I don't think we did a whole lot too. That's a pretty bomb-proof bike. That old DR DR350. Yeah, the body gets torn up more than that bike does, right? Yeah, it sure does. Yes, indeed. Well, good. And and then and then you move to your your Yamaha WR250R. Uh, yes, yes, I um, sure did. And um, 09, I bought that in the spring of 09. I 
my buddy, my neighbor, um, he had just bought one. So I, I took it for a spin and I just thought, man, this is, this would be so much nicer. So I, I picked one up and I sold my XR. Never looked back. It's, it's been a great bike for me. So I've had, I don't, I don't even get rid, I don't buy and sell a ton of bikes, but I've had four bikes since 09. And your 250R has got 53,000 miles on it. I mean, more, more than, more, more than, than all four cars. of yours put together. Yeah, right. Probably more <laughs> than all four of the ones I had put together. Well, actually, Matt, it's, it's got over 80 on it now. Does it really? Yeah. And, and I actually wound up, um, I had a good friend that was, he was wanting to sell his WR and it only had about 7,000 on it when mine at the time had, I don't know, 75 or something. And he says, Hey, Scott, why don't you, cause I was going to, I wanted to get a spare bike just to have in yeah. case something were to happen to my other one. And he says, well, this one's pretty fresh. Why don't you just put all your goodies on it and use your old one for a spare bike? So that's what I'm doing now. I've, I've got uh, about 15,000 on, on that bike now little over 80 on, on my 09. Well, I, I think it's important. Um, you know, we, when we talked to, to Mark Sampson, who goes by, by big dog, uh, you know, he had just a, a ton of great things to say about you. Um, but you guys met, uh, I mean, you reached out to him online, right? And right. you guys kind of ha- had a series of conversations after some emails and, and then that, that went into a, a, a month long expedition trip uh, without ever having met each other in person. Right. <laughs> uh, that, that's trust right there. Yeah. What, what could possibly go wrong? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think those were his exact words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, you know, definitely a, a leap of faith. I'm, I'm sure probably more on his part than mine. I, the interesting part is reading his website and all of the stories. I felt like I, I knew him. Of course, he didn't really know anything about me. So right. we we rode Mexico to Canada and back. Yeah, thirty day trip, and uh, just been the best of friends ever since. Just had a had a great time, and actually, the last few days of that trip kind of set up the next year. Both of us really wanted to ride Alaska. So we, we started discussing that a little bit. And then the next year, we, we met up uh, in northern Washington State and um, rode to uh, Prudhoe Bay and, and a lot of Alaska and the Yukon and BC. And so we did, yeah. we put, we did a, it was about a five week trip the next year, I believe. And you just got back from riding with him recently, right? Yes. Yes, I sure did. Um, met him down in, uh, in Kerrville, Texas, and uh, we got to ride for a, a few days. And uh, and actually, in uh, in the first week in February, um, we're going to meet um, Big Dog and his wife in uh, Big Bend National Park. And along with uh, myself and my wife, Julie, and then um, Dr. Rock and LDF from the Mobius tri- crew on, sure. uh, on uh, Adventure Rider. Well, let's fast forward to, to 2013. Uh, you and Julie decide you've had enough of Tucson, wanted to make a change, and you start looking for property in Utah. Right, right. We really, really like the country and the area around Dove Creek and Monticello, kind of rolling hills, uh, similar to 
the Palouse country up uh, north of Lewiston. Thought, you know, this is pretty neat. The population is fairly low, and we kind of wanted to get back to rural America. We found this place through uh, a fellow on Adventure Rider, uh, lives in Dump, Dove Creek. The fellow that had uh, that had built the place, he, he took an old 1890s homestead and had rehabbed uh, some of the cabins and added some more and turned it into kind of an old west town. He had built the place but never opened it. So Also a victim of the, the downturn in, in, in 08, right? Right. He had uh, built, built the place before then and decided not to open it, and he was trying to sell it. Of course, he had worked on the place, built everything pre... He got it finished, I believe, in 06, 07. So then the downturn came, and uh, he was trying to sell it for pre-crash dollars, and, you know, that just didn't work. Sure. The the place had set vacant for about eight years um, when we when we found it. Wound up buying it on a foreclosure. But and, um, At that point, uh, did you guys know this was on the TAT? I mean, did you? Yes. Yes, we did. Yeah, okay. Um, were, were you yeah. looking for something specifically on the TAT, or...? No, we just kind of fell into it, and um, okay. when we had first found it, Sam's Sam Carrera was a friend also, and told him we found a place right there by Three Step Hill in Utah, and he goes, "Oh man, you're right on the tat. Buy it quick." <laughs> of course, the the Utah BDR crosses about 14 miles from our place, <clears throat> just a little bit north of us. Scott, you had full intentions of of opening it up for a a resort area. Uh, yes. It really lent itself for um, motorcyclists and uh, motorcycle travel. Um, the fellow that had originally built it, he set it up for base, basically to do the same thing, but with um, with horses. Well, we basically, our place is right in the middle of a working cattle ranch. The fellow that had, had built the place, he actually purchased the property from our neighbors, who are the ranchers right there, and own a bunch of ground on, oh, two sides of us. So his idea was to do something kind of like City Slickers, the movie, get um, a bunch of guys <laughs> over and help with cattle drives. They they still move all their cattle but horseback, and then you know just have them stay in there and work on cattle drives. And so we just kind of flipped it around and did motorcycles instead. How is your relationship with your neighbor as far as horses versus motorcycles? I w- I'm curious as to you know what they think of that with all the motorcycles coming through. When we first got started, they were they were leery, I will say, <laughs> and and you know I can't blame them for that. The really great thing is that everybody we've had there has been very respectful, and we've never had any issues at all. But you know they're great folks, and it. It took a little, you know, just getting used to the to the bikes and the more people. But the 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 bike guys have been, you know, the adventure riders are just, I don't know, top notch people. They uh, very respectful. They've always, you know, I tell everybody, please, you know, treat it like it's your own. Um, if the gate's yeah. closed, by all means, go through, but close it back again. You know, just leave it like you find it. And our neighbors have been great. They they come over and help quite a bit when we're real busy. And uh, what's what's kind of funny, a little side note of that is their house sets on a hill right above, there's a 90 degree corner in our driveway. They get the biggest kick out of it. They can be sitting in their living room looking out the window and uh, see bikes coming down the driveway. There's kind of a, there's a straightaway. It's about a quarter mile long, you know. Some guys like to wick it up there a little bit and, and all of a sudden <laughs> there's a 90 degree turn. So I've had quite a few that have baked that corner and wind up out in the weeds. 
<laughs> yeah, I you know, I was I was on your website. I was kind of digging into it. And, you know, I, I think there's a line on your website about, you know, where respect and responsibility are a way of life. I, I guess that that goes to not only closing gates, but, you know, the amount of electricity that you have and, and being responsible with that. I mean, it, this is totally an off grid situation. Yes. Yes, it is. We're totally solar powered and uh, backup generator. The only thing we need to keep going there is, oh, uh, we've got gas and diesel and farm tanks and um, and some propane for cooking and, and heaters and that sort of thing. And for, for those listeners that are, are thinking, gosh, this sounds like not a nice place to hang out. I just want to read some of the, the comments that folks have left on your Facebook page, which, by the way, you have nothing but five-star reviews uh, from, from folks that have stayed with you on your Facebook page. But people have said the three-step hideaway is soul-resetting. They've called it a hidden gem. Uh, one, one person said, if knobbies are in your blood, then this outpost in southeast Utah beats the Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> the, the best off-road B&B bar none. The most amazing time I've ever had on or off my dirt bike. And then, you know, Scott and Julie are phenomenal hosts. Words simply cannot do them justice. So other than your hospitality, tell us what what folks can expect when they come in. You're riding the tat or maybe you're not. Maybe you're just coming up for, for three or four days to hang out with you guys. What what can they expect as an experience when they get to the three-step hideaway? Well, we we try to we try to make everybody feel like they're family and come on in and have a great time. Really, but no, no internet, no no cell phone service. Right? I mean, heck, you you had to come down into town to do this this interview. Right. We've got satellite internet, and every time the wind blows a little crossways, it it goes it goes crazy. <laughs> and that's what's kind of funny sometimes is my wife got a sign that sets in the cantina right where everybody signs in. And it says, uh, we don't have Wi-Fi. Talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time we pulled into, into Telluride. And, and we were in, you know, just down on Main Street. We just parked the bikes. So and we went into the bar. And we all kind of bellied up at the bar and started talking to the bartender. And, it, you know, the guy had lived there 25 years. And I said, boy, I bet you've, you've seen a lot, of, a lot of change in this town. And he said, yeah, when, uh, when people used to come into this bar, they used to talk to each other. Now they just come in, sit down, look at their phones, yeah. right? And that that struck with me. I mean, that was that trip was probably six or seven, eight years ago. I don't remember how long now, but that that stuck with me. And so, a lot of the comments of, of folks that have been there said, you know, just honestly, the the fact that you you go outside, you can't look at your phone. You got to look at the stars, right? You got you you know you you can't interact on social media, so you have to interact with one another. Uh, and that's, I think, you know, part of the gem of the three-step hideaway. Right. I, I definitely believe so. Um, you know, it is a very peaceful spot. The, the night sky is amazing. Oh, the Milky Way and stuff. It's, it's just, of course, a lot of adventure rider guys are phenomenal photographers. Yeah. And some of the, some of the photos are just unbelievable. Scott, if, if somebody's not passing through on the tat, you, you have all kinds of maps and loops that they can do if they're staying with you for a few days, right? I mean, there are all kinds of out and backs. Yeah, there sure is. We've been trying to catalog a bunch of GPX tracks for guys that um, that come and spend numerous days. We've got a pretty good catalog of adventure bike type rides to, you know, um, 
intermediate, um, you know, 650 type bikes. And then we've got a lot of really fun, hardcore two stroke stuff. If, if that's your flavor as well. Yeah. And so any mild to wild, we've, we've got a lot of tracks and we, we do a, we call it a three-step rendezvous. We have a, a desert one in the, in the spring where we try to stay below 8,000 feet um, because there's snow above 8,000 feet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And uh, try to hit all the desert riding. Um, and then in the, usually in September, we do another one. We call it the Alpine uh, rendezvous where, where you can get up and and do the the high passes and stuff at that time, as well as the del- desert riding. So it's but it's it keeps a, you cooler in the summertime in the desert, right? When you're up at above eight thousand. Right, right, yeah. absolutely. And how many and, how many folks come out for the desert rendezvous? You're on your your fourth or fifth year of this. You know, it varies. Uh, we usually have somewhere between about twenty and thirty five to forty, something like yeah, that. Big group. It's it's a great time and uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's a uh, it's a three-day. Folks come in on Thursday night, and uh, there's actually quite a few guys that stick around for another day or so. They want to get a little more writing in. All different levels yeah. of skill sets. Absolutely. Yep. You know, I don't know. Adventure riders are great, and they're they're so willing to help. You know, so if you got a guy that's a newbie, there's a lot of lot of experience around those events, and and a lot of guys that are more than willing to to help somebody out. And I think Moto Discovery even comes in and and hosts some some training rides or or tours out of out of your your place as well. Yes, yes, they sure do. Great organization. Um, have a lot of lot of training sessions there. Good group of guys. That's a lot of fun on those events as well. Just give us a, a an idea of the setup. I mean, you have what four or five cabins on the property. Yes, we have uh, five cabins and uh, two teepees. The teepees are a bring-your-own-bedroll. Uh, we've got cots in there with foam pads. It's kind of a camping-type deal, but you don't have to set your tent up. Then we've got some, uh, we, we call them our rustic cabins. They are small cabins with two twin beds. They don't have any elect- electricity or water to them, but our bathhouses are close by. And then we have two uh, cabins with full amenities, um, bathrooms and kitchens and full electricity and everything. And then of course we, we always have room for campers. So if you need to drop a trailer or something like that, you could drop a trailer while you're out riding. Right. You bet. And yeah. you know, I would tell everybody that, um, you know, more than welcome anytime to drop truck and trailer and go for a week ride, a month ride, whatever. It's no it's not not a problem at all. It's great. And you got a full full shop there pretty much. From the reviews I've read, folks have said uh, not only do you have a shop, but that you allow a lot of people to use it. Oh yes. Um it's it's there for everybody. We've got a motorcycle lift, buddy in Tucson that has a motorcycle shop. He he uh, I made a really good trade. He was needing a uh, a table saw and he says, "Hey Scott, how about swapping me that table saw for a motorcycle lift?" He says, "I'll, I'll store the table saw for you if you want to store this lift and i go sold <laughs> it worked out really good and uh but yeah our, our shop is i keep it stocked with oil and uh i try to keep some just miscellaneous stuff you know chains tires tubes just that sort of thing and uh you know we've got a little welder a little 110 mig that'll that will actually run off of our solar system oxyacetylene rig and We've we've rebuilt a lot of stuff out there 
Um, back, down, back on the trail. As a guy that's needed some uh, some mid trip welding, uh, a, a MIG welder is is certainly appreciated. Yeah, I'm I'm a terrible welder, but usually you know there's somebody that can weld in in the group. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that always helps out. And uh, you know the the thing is we have a we have a little jug sitting there over on the bench that that we take donations for um, you know shop supplies and stuff. And if anybody right. likes to put something in there we appreciate it but you know it's not it's not uh, mandatory or anything else like that so and i'm happy to help guys too work on their you know change the tire or whatever if if they want me to i'm happy to to delve in scott a lot of well a lot of adventure riders are you know obviously super into their equipment and have uh, very very expensive bikes and all that kind of stuff i'm curious as to what kind of crazy machines have come through your place riding the TAT or, or elsewhere? Well, we, we, we've had, we've had a couple of C90s through <laughs> with, with flowers in the basket and, you know, a big tarantula on the back. Ed, uh, Ed March and uh, Ed and Rachel. Th- that was a lot of fun with those guys. Uh, you know, really for the most part, we get a lot of GSs, you know, a lot of DR650s, um, you know, of course, KLRs, pretty much everything, you know, a lot of KTMs. The T7s now, we're seeing a lot of those coming through in the 890s, um, really popular. You you were definitely on uh, our our route last year. Yeah, we we were we were set on uh, on coming through doing some of the BDR and then and then coming to see you guys last year. And then uh, I think further up the route, we were getting diverted by uh, various forest fires. There's a great loop to take out of our place that um, ties together really well. Um, the Utah and the and the Colorado BDRs. It's about a you know ten day to two week trip, um, but yeah, definitely worth it. Well, Scott, thank you so much for for spending uh, some time with us. I know. It was a, a struggle uh, on both ends to get internet and uh, the video and all of that. So I really appreciate you uh, taking some time away from the hideaway, coming into town and and talking to, to Terry and I on uh, all things adventure motorcycle and three-step hideaway. We uh, certainly appreciate it and look forward to uh, meeting you in person. Yeah, definitely look forward to meeting you guys too. And, and thanks a million for having me on tonight. It was great talking with you. Our pleasure, Scott, Likewise. for sure. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Adventure Motorcycle USA podcast. For more information about this episode or to learn more about Adventure Motorcycle USA, please visit AdventureMotorcycleUSA.com.